You are listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Oh, man, that sounded great. It's, I pray that, that what we just got done singing actually is our song, uh, that, that your song, your story that you get to sing over and over again is how incredible Jesus is. And so we're so glad that you're here today. You can have a seat I just want to, again, welcome you all here. Thanks for coming. Uh, not as though I'm a host and you're the guests at all. I just want to say you're welcome here, uh, each and every person. There's, there's, there's so many things that, that every day when we wake up and we think about you, whether you're a student and you're going off to school, you're heading off to work, wherever it is that you go, it seems like you wake up and there's a little bit of stress, maybe some anxiety about, okay, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to look like? Well, you know, what are we going to talk about today? We're, it always feels like we have to be on, right? And so and we, gotta, we have to some, bring some best version of ourselves. I heard somebody once say, I feel like i got to get up and shower and put on my best clothes just to go pick up my kids from school, right? The pressure of just what is everybody else thinking of me? I just want to say that I, it's my hope and my prayer, our prayer here at Century as leadership, that this would be the one place you can come just as you are. To, to just say, this is just me. Uh, I've, I've got stuff, because we all have stuff. We're all broken people. We're all redeemed by Christ. And, and what a great way. We just come together and go, I'm going to go to, uh, on Sunday morning, I'm going to gather together with other people um, because I need their best, right? I, I need to lean into them. I need people to speak into my life. I want to come together in community so that I can grow in my own life. And that's what we're all about here at Century. So whatever it is that you bring, you bring it for others, you bring it for yourselves, but can we all just admit that we're not perfect and we're not even going to strive to be. We just keep worshiping the one who is. That's what we're all about. Uh, I, I want to introduce you, some of you, many of you may already know him, uh, some may not, but it's such a blessing. I always say this, whenever some of our global servants, our, our missionaries come and spend some time here with us, and this morning, uh, Paul Ewing is going to come and not only share what God is up to in Japan, but he's also going to bring us the word. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for him to be here. He's a great friend of mine. And uh, we've known each other since I was in middle school and he was a little bit older in high school. Uh, and his uh, dad led Century Baptist Church, Pastor Dave Ewing, his wife Jean and their family just have had such a huge impact on uh, making Century Baptist what it is today. And so I'm just really grateful, and I'm going to stop talking so that you can take over, my friend. So would you just welcome Century Baptist. Welcome home, Paul Ewing. Thanks, brother. Love you, too. Well, good morning, everybody. Yes, I'm Paul Ewing, and uh, my wife and I are North American Baptist Conference missionaries to Japan. We've been there since 2000. Uh, I have a picture somewhere of uh, my family that was taken in 2016. Um, uh, things have changed since I was here last. That was the last time I was here with you was 2017. Um, if you go to the next slide, you'll see the change in our family, kind of dramatic. Uh, our oldest son is 23. He studied, he's a grad student, uh, going to be married this summer. Our second son uh, is, is a senior in college out in uh, western New York, Houghton College, Houghton University now, sorry. Uh, and uh, our youngest, poking his head around M Melissa's, uh, is Elijah, and he is 17. He's a senior in high school. Uh, so we've got three graduations this spring and a wedding. So uh, on top of a year of visiting churches and being busy that way, we got a lot of change happening in our family. 
Uh, but I'm here today to say thank you. Uh, if you don't hear me say anything else today, right, if uh, the, the, the pews start feeling comfy and the, the eyes start to close, just hear me say, if nothing else, thank you. Because if it wasn't for you, we would not be able to fulfill God's call in our lives and fulfill his ministry uh, in Japan. So thank you, not only for your financial support, but even more so for your prayer support. Because prayer is what fuels ministry, and we see that reflected every day of our lives while we are in Japan. Speaking of Japan, if you go to the next slide, Japan is an island nation off the coast of Asia, uh, 6,000 and some islands. Uh, we, uh, as North American Baptists, have been uh, doing mission there since 1951. Uh, not me personally. I mean, I'm older than Paul, but not that much older. Um, in 1978, we turned the mission work over to the Japanese folks. And so now we come alongside them and work with them. Uh, we don't direct how things are going to happen. We're not in charge of stuff over there. Instead, we come along, support, and aid them however we can. And we have been doing that, like I said, since uh, 2001. And you have supported us since the year 2000. So uh, going on 23 years of support. Uh, and it's just a privilege to be here. If you go to the next slide, you'll see the North American Baptist Mission Force uh, in Japan. Um, when we went to Japan, there were 13 missionaries. Over the past 23 years, we've uh, grown to four. So uh, you, could, <laughs> you could pray uh, that the attrition that we've seen doesn't continue, but that God would continue to call people just like you to service uh, in missions around the world and even possibly in Japan. Uh, so Melissa and, and I are a couple there, and then Shan Reed, she is from Madison, South Dakota, has been there since 2001, and Yudi Nakano, uh, all the way on the right, she is a second-generation Japanese-Canadian uh, from Edmonton, Alberta. We like to joke about Yudi, uh, somewhere on her is stamped made in Japan, we know it, because her parents immigrated to Canada when they were pregnant with her, so like literally made in Japan. Um, <laughs> fortunately, we haven't seen where that stamp is yet, but uh, we know it's there. Uh, and we work with the Japan Baptist Conference. If you go to the next slide, you'll see a picture of some of the pastors uh, that, that, that minister and work there. Uh, the average church in Japan is 25 people. Uh, so I, I can't even imagine how many uh, churches would be represented right here in your congregation this morning. Um, and the pastors that serve there, really, uh, they don't do it for the glory <laughs> I don't think the pastors here do either, but um, yeah, it is just a hard work for them. Uh, and so please remember your, your brothers and sisters that serve in Japan. If you go to the next slide, we have had the privilege since 2008 to plant a church there. Uh, and so the last, uh, the, I was here in 2011, I was here in 2016, and was telling you about this plant that we were doing. Uh, the Komyo Christian Church, Komyo in Japanese means a bright shining light. And so we named ourselves the Bright Shining Light Christian Church. Uh, and it's just been a privilege to be a part of what God is doing in Japan. Over the years, if you go to the next slide, he's called people to himself, people who knew nothing about Christianity, never heard of a church, never heard of a Bible, uh, never, had no idea who Jesus was that we were just singing about. Uh, and yet they've come to a saving place uh, in Christ. Uh, and they're now living for him. If you go to the next slide, one of the other areas of ministry we've had the privilege of being involved in is with what we call returnee ministry. So uh, when Japanese people go to study abroad, whether that's here in North America or Europe or somewhere else, uh, and they are introduced with the gospel, 70% of Japanese people will make a decision for Christ. 
which is interesting because in Japan, a country of 125 million people, 0.1% are Christian. One Christian for every thousand people in Japan. And yet when they come outside of the country and they're out of that pressure cooker that is the culture there, 70% when presented the gospel come to Christ. It's a mission field right here in North America of people who have come here to study, to work. And then when they come back to Japan, they get plugged into our church. We get to benefit from that and the people of Japan get to benefit from that. And it's just been amazing to see how God continues to draw people to himself in Japan and around the world and how he's connected them all through the Komyo Christian Church. As a church, we focus on two things. If you go to the next slide, just some pictures of some events that we have. Our first and foremost, we are, we are committed to being formed into the image of Christ. God calls us, and we're going to talk about this in a sermon a little bit later. Uh, he calls us to be formed into the image of his son, to walk like Jesus did, to think like Jesus did, to live life like Jesus did, to grow up into the full measure of Jesus Christ. And so we do those things in our church in Japan, just like you do here, worship service, Bible studies, seminars, anything we can do to get together to study more about who Jesus is and learn how to live more like him. But we also know that we are called to be his sent ones, that we're not supposed to just live in a little enclave together now that we've found Jesus Christ, but that he commands us to go, to go. And as we are going, we are to make disciples. We are to baptize others in his name and to teach them all the commands that he gave. And so we do that in Japan as well. One of the biggest areas that we use in Japan, one of the biggest things for us is black gospel music. It's, it's amazing to me the impact that, that Whoopi Goldberg had on the church in Japan. <laughs> Sister Act came to Japan <clears throat> and uh, just took it by storm. There are thousands and thousands of secular gospel choirs there singing the gospel message and having no idea what the meaning is behind that. And it's our privilege to come alongside people to help them understand this gospel message, to incorporate it into their lives, to grow in him, and then to go out as his sent ones as well. We have had influence in our neighborhood. We have a relationship with a nursing home right behind our church building. Uh, we, we go there and we do crafts. Uh, we sing carols. We do anything we can to help uh, that nursing home see Jesus Christ living in us. Now, because that's what it takes in Japan. If you go to the next slide, everything in Japan, ministry-wise, revolves around relationship. Now, I'm sure it does here as well, but in Japan, you're, you're not going to see someone on TV and believe what they say. <laughs> in Japan, you can't stand on a street corner and preach. People won't listen to you. You can't hand out tracts. I mean, you can politically. It's just fine. But no one will read them because it's just too foreign to them. So what you need to do in Japan is you need to build friendships, relationships with people. You need to build trust so that they see Christ shining in you and then you're able to explain what that means in words. So everything that we do in Japan is focused around relationships. It's interesting, I didn't learn this at seminary, but for me, one of the pillars, right, there's, there's four pillars of Baptist polity, of Baptist theology, but I think there's a fifth one you can look up the other four later online. That's what Google's for. Uh, but the fifth one to me is, is Baptist equals food. 
I mean, anytime you get a bunch of Baptists together, there's going to be food there, whether it's donuts or a potluck or for us here in this upper right-hand picture, that's us having our Easter meal together a few years ago. We have sushi. I'm sure you guys have sushi for Easter, right? Big sushi eaters, I'm sure. Um, but that's what we do. We gather around the table. We fellowship together. We build relationships together. This picture of this gentleman in the lower left-hand corner is a good friend of mine. Uh, we were neighbors for about three years, his family and mine, and uh, we started a friendship. And that was 20 years ago that we started our friendship. But it took me 15 years of being his friend, of shining Christ into his life, until we could start to talk about heart issues, until we could start to talk about what it means to be a husband or a father, what, it, what, uh, what the importance is or the issues that you have at work. What's the meaning of life? What is this world around us? Those issues, it took 15 years of relating with him till we got to that point. He, he now understands that there aren't a million or eight million gods around him animating this world, but instead there's one single creator God who loves him, who loves all of us, who wants to have a relationship with all of us who sent his son, Christ, to this earth. He doesn't believe in Jesus yet. He's, he's making his steps to get there. And I pray that someday soon, he too will come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. It's all about relationship, just like it is here. It's all about relationship, right? If you go to the next slide, uh, it's my privilege today to tell you that this church that we started in 2008 uh, our theme this year, graduations, graduated in 2019. So it was no longer classified as a church plant, but it's now a self-propagating, self-governing, uh, self-theologizing church. Where there was no church when we went, there is a church now. Where there weren't brothers and sisters of you in Japan before, there are now. And it's because of you. So thank you. In 2020, we called a Japanese pastor and I took a, a, the most wonderful demotion I've ever taken in my life. I went from lead pastor to associate pastor. And then in 2022, I came off staff altogether and turned everything over to the Japanese leadership in our church. It's amazing what God has done there. And it's because of people like you. So thank you. I, I want to leave you with some prayer requests. First and foremost, I'd ask that you would pray that God would continue to work on the hearts of Japanese people. We know from John 6, that no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. The Holy Spirit has to work on someone's heart before they come to a relationship with Christ. And so I ask that you would pray that God would work on the hearts of the Japanese people. I could tell you story after story after story of people that we have come to meet that have felt called by God. You'll hear a couple of them in a little bit, uh, but it's all because of prayers of people here. Father God hears your prayers. Father God acts on those prayers in Japan. So please keep praying for that. As we are home this year on what we call home assignment, uh, we travel around the country uh, visiting churches just like you that support us. Uh, and then this fall, we will head back to Japan uh, and we will look to plant another church. And so I, I ask that you would pray for us, that God would give us wisdom, uh, that he would give us guidance in how to go about this next church plant I, I was over the moon to hear that Century Baptist is planting churches. It's long, 
in my view, sorry, a long time coming. <laughs> and, and this is an awesome thing. I don't know how you feel about it. Hopefully you're excited about it as well. Uh, but yeah, it's awesome. And we are headed back and we're going to plant another church in Japan. Um, and so we need wisdom as we go into those steps. And we are looking to build first a church planting team. So we are looking for a Japanese pastor to come and plant with us. So please pray that God would provide that person. God would provide that family for us to plant with. And lastly, please pray for your missionaries in Japan, those four folks that I showed you up there, Shan and Yudi. Uh, pray for them as they are in Japan still. I'm the field director there, so I, I take on all the administrative roles for the field, and I'm the liaison with the Japan Baptist Conference and have a lot of responsibilities in that. And while I'm here in the States, I can take care of some of those, but not all of them. And so Shan and Yudi have an increased workload while they're there and we're here. So pray for them, that they would have the strength they would need and the, the guidance and the wisdom that they would need. And pray for our family as we have this busy year and as we have graduations and weddings and all these other activities uh, and as we travel to churches throughout North America, that God would still give us time over this year to have times of rest and good sweet times of fellowship together as a family so that when we go back in the fall, we'll go back prepared and ready to serve him. Again, just please hear me say thank you. It's such a privilege to be here. Uh, I would never in a million years have guessed when I was here in the pew like you were that I would be standing here <laughs> where I am today talking to you. Uh, and it's all because of God and because of pe people like you. I want to share today uh, from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 9. You guys have been uh, traversing through Matthew, I understand. Uh, and, um, you know, blistering pace, from what I hear. <laughs> kind of like when I decided to preach John, uh, the book of John, <laughs> like three years later. I'm like, oh, I think I'm done with the book of John, finally. <laughs> Anyways, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, uh, and verses 18 through 23. That little intermediate part, Pastor Paul will preach about sometime in the future, maybe next week. Uh, who better... To preach? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I heard last week he was saying, who better to preach about the soils than a missionary? But yeah, anyways. So I want to read that for you now. If you have a Bible and you want to open up to Matthew chapter 13 or turn on your device and scroll to where you need to go, uh, we're going to read that. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he, fell, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When someone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly 
fall away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is someone who hears the word and understands it. They produce a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. God bless the reading of his word. Let's, let's have a quick word of prayer. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning wanting to learn more about you. We want to learn more about your truth. We want to learn more about the calling you have for each one of us as we uh, walk this earth with you. So Lord, we ask that you would be with us this morning, that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we would come to understand the truth that you have for us in this passage, and that we wouldn't just come to understand it in our head and in our heart, but that instead, Lord, we would take this truth and that we would implement it. We'd put it into practice in our lives so that we too might walk with you better. Please help that to happen now, Father God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up here, right here, on the property. Those of you who are recent newcomers to the church wouldn't know, but right in the corner of the parking lot over here used to be a parsonage, and that's where my dad and our family lived. And I used to take long walks when I lived here. Uh, this road up here that you guys call 43rd Street, I think it is, uh, used to be called Radar Road, for those of you who go back a few years. There was uh, a radar base on there. It was just gravel. There was nothing else built up here. Uh, Horizon Middle School wasn't around. That was all just pasture land and wheat fields. And I used to take long walks up through those wheat fields all the way over to River Road. And I'd walk up River Road all the way to 1804, and down 1804 to Washington, and, and then back down here to our house. And it was the best image for me as I walked through these fields of flowing wheat. What God does, and, 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 and when I think of this passage, that for me is the first picture that always comes to mind, right here, <laughs> which now is just crazily overgrown. But those fields of flowing wheat. It's interesting now that I live in Japan, I don't get to see fields of flowing wheat, but I do get to see fields of rice. Um, and it's interesting the way that they grow rice in Japan. They take seed and they plant it in these trays. They put soil down and then they just tons and tons of seed in these trays. And then they put the trays out in the middle of a rice paddy until they grow to be about four inches. And then they use these huge tractors. You'll see in the next slide, these huge tractors to plant that, right, most of your lawnmowers are probably bigger than their rice, rice tractors, to plant those seedlings into the rice field one at a time. And then they're allowed to grow. It's interesting to see their technique for farming and the technique for farming here in North America has some co commonalities to it. They've taken out most of the factors that would inhibit growth of crops. They make sure the soil is plowed up and fertile. They make sure that it has the nutrients that it needs, that it doesn't go in the wrong places, but that instead it can bear the most fruit that it can. But that wasn't how farming was done in Jesus' day 2,000 years ago. And as he went out of his uh, house that day and as he sat in a boat and he was t talking to the people who were listening, 
He probably saw someone out in a field and he started to talk about this parable. And in Jesus' day, they farmed like this picture. They might have a donkey or they might have some oxen. They didn't have a plow, you know, no 14-row or 24-row or 36-row planter. Uh, they didn't have chisel plows. They had something called an ard, A-R-D. And it was like a stick, like a spike. You can see that gentleman holding it next to him as the oxen go down their row. And they didn't know what was underneath their soil. They didn't do soil sampling. They didn't do all of their seed testing. They didn't know what their fertilizer should be in this place and that place. They didn't even know what the soil was like underneath their feet, how far down was bedrock. Uh, And as they would go along with this ard, they'd churn up the soil a little bit, but the grass and the weeds and everything still was in there and mixed in with everything else. And so as they would go out and spread seed by hand over these fields, that seed would fall in a lot of different places. And some of those places, like you see in that picture, just by that gentleman's shoulders, is a path between fields where people walk. So even after the field is planted, people can walk between the fields and it gets trampled down. It's hard. It's like concrete. And when that seed hits it, it doesn't grow. It gets trampled or the birds come and eat it. Some of that seed would fall on soil that wasn't very deep, that underneath it had rock. Not, not like there was a bunch of rocks there and they didn't know how to pick rock. Come on, like everybody knows how to pick rock, right? At least everybody in North Dakota should. Um, instead, it was this soil that was very shallow and they would throw the seed out and as it would land there, the soil was shallow. It would warm up quickly. The seed would take root. It would germinate quickly and it would grow. But because it was shallow, it roots Roots couldn't go down very deep. And as the sun would come up, it didn't have the nutrients and the moisture that it needed, and it would wither away and die. And other seed would fall on the ground where all of these weeds and grasses had been plowed under. And as the seed grew, so did these weeds. And it would suck away all the nutrients. And that plant would grow, but it would never grow to the point of bearing grain. And then there was the good soil, the place where the seed would fall, and as it grew, it would take root. It would get the nutrients that it needed, and as it grew, it would bear fruit, sometimes a hundredfold, sometimes 60, sometimes 30. And as Jesus was explaining this principle, this parable to his disciples, he explained what that meant, that that path. First, he he explained what the seed was, that the seed was the word of God. And as that seed was broadcast, it fall on very different places. This word of God, which we have in front of you in the Bible, it starts in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. It's the story of God's salvation here on earth, past, present, and future. How God created us to have a relationship with him because he loves us and he desires to have a relationship with us. And yet, (coughs) excuse me, we turned our backs on him. We decided to go our own way. That is what we call sin. And because of that sin, we were separated. Our relationship with God was broken. But God worked throughout history. He brought Israel Through Israel, he brought his son, Jesus Christ. 
And just as we sang earlier, Jesus Christ hung on a cross so that we might have a renewed relationship with God. That we might live the life that God created us for. He established his church. And his church has lasted from Israel all the way to Bismarck, North Dakota. From Israel all the way to Japan, way far away. For 2,000 years, God has continued to draw people to himself. He's continued to seek a relationship with them. To pour out his love on them, on us. And that seed, as it is sown from place to place, falls on different people's hearts. Excuse me. Some of those people aren't ready to hear the gospel. They're so distracted by life, their heart is so hardened that when that good news, that gospel, that word of God falls on their life, they just disregard it. I don't need to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And Satan comes and snatches it away, Jesus said. There are others who hear the word of God and they accept it. They might even get baptized. But when trouble comes, when people start to question them about their faith, when persecution comes, they wither away and die because they haven't established roots in their life yet. They flee. And there are others who hear the word of God, they put it into their life, they start to grow. But then they get distracted by the things of life. They want to watch this. They want to go and do that. I don't need to go to church. I have this other thing I need to do. I don't need to to give to what God wants me to give to because I have these habits that I need to fund. They get distracted by life. And I'm not saying that the things of life are bad. Some of those things are very good. But they're not what God desires. And people get distracted, Jesus said. And they never grow to maturity the way they should. They never bear fruit. But that there's others. There's others that grow and mature. Jesus, when he was explaining this in some other passages, Matthew 6, 24, excuse me, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money, he said. From this, we can see the soil that is the, thorn, the rocky soil. You, you, you can't serve the way of the world and serve God. You have to serve one or the other. If you're serving God and you're trusting in Him, even when persecution comes, you stick to your guns. You, you stay in His favor. You follow His will. You look at His Word and grow in it. If you start to serve the master that is of this world and you've give in to that persecution, and you start to flee, you will wither and die spiritually. Then there is, if you go to the next slide, Romans chapter 12, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God calls us not to follow the things of this world, the way of this world, the standard of this world, which tells us to do everything that we want, to do everything that benefits us, to do everything my way. Instead, we're called to follow His Word, to love God, love others, make disciples, to grow in Him, to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and by His Word. And in doing that, you're not like the thorny soil where things in life distract you to where you can't grow to maturity. Right? Jesus said, if you go to the next slide, in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is a hard truth to hear. We are saved through the profession of faith. We believe in our hearts that Christ died for us, that God loves us, that through Jesus Christ we can have a renewed relationship with God, that professing that through baptism, we are showing the world that this is what we believe. But Jesus says that's not enough. We need to put his will into practice in our lives. We need to demonstrate that that transformation in our heart is real. Not everyone who has said, Lord, I believe in you, is going to heaven, he says. Only those who live out the life he calls you to. We're not saved by works, but we're saved to do good works. To implement his word, his calling in our lives. If you go to the next slide, right? Good soil means those who accept it and grow. That's the role of the church. If you go to the next slide, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a high standard, isn't it? It means we're called to walk, to talk, to think, to feel, to see, to hear like Jesus. In order to do that, we have to know who he was and what he said and what he did. And we have to train ourselves to walk that way. We have to grow up into maturity with him like that Seed that fell on good soil. In Japan, we have all these different kinds of soils. 99% of Japan is the path, right? The concrete jungle would <laughs> be a good way to put it. 99% of people in Japan don't want anything to do with Christianity. They don't want to even hear about it or learn about it. They reject it right off the bat. We have some who accept it, and we've had people in our our church, one lady I think of immediately, uh, I'm going to say Mrs. M. I don't want to tell you her name, but she came to church. She accepted faith. She started to study the Bible. And then when persecution from her family came, she started to say, no, I can't do this. And she left the church. There was another gentleman. I'm going to call him Mr. K. 
young guy, he started coming to church. Just a miraculous testimony of how God grabbed hold of his heart. And we started to study. He started to look like he wanted to go to seminary. We were doing really in-depth studies. And then he got distracted by his YouTube channel. <laughs> he got distracted by the things of this world. And he walked away from his faith. He didn't have the nutrients that he needed to grow to full maturity. But I want to share with you today about a lady. If we go to the next slide, standing next to Shan is a lady, Mrs. Shukunami. I'll gladly tell you her name. She was diagnosed with cancer in 2015. And her husband brought, bought many different kinds of materials for her to look at. Some were uh, Shinto, some were Buddhist, some were Christian, some were Islamic trying to help her through this time of this late-stage cancer that she was diagnosed with. And as she was reading through these books, she came across one. It was this beautiful picture of some flowers that had been painted, and it had a verse from Matthew chapter 11, 28, that says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the Holy Spirit, that seed, was planted in her heart that day. And she said, I want that rest I want to know what that rest is. Where can I find this rest? But she didn't even know where this book came from. So she started to look at this book, and she found out that it was done by a Christian author. Christianity. Man, what is that? I have no idea. Where do you even go to ask somebody about Christianity? And then she thought, well, I've heard of these things called churches. I don't know anything about them. I don't even know where there is one. No, wait a minute. I remember she was at a pottery class in the, the building that we have our church in across the hall and she had seen people in our church building having a good time relating to each other and she thought maybe I could go there and they would explain to me what this rest is. And so, like any good woman would do, she sent her husband. <laughs> and her husband shows up at church, you know, opens the door and steps in and, and I was working in the office. Our, our church is not anywhere nearly as big as yours. Not even as big as the stage. So I heard him come in, and I stepped out of my office, and I said, hello, can I help you? And he said, yes, can, can someone who isn't a Christian come into church? And I said, absolutely. And he said, okay. And he turned and he ran away. <laughs> and I thought, what's going on? This is kind of crazy. And 15 minutes later, his wife showed up, and she walked in, and she had this book. And she asked, what does this mean? How can I have this rest? And it was my privilege, it was my joy to share with her from Scripture who God is, who His Son Jesus Christ is, and how He loves her and wants to have a relationship with her and wants to give her that rest. And she started to come to church. She accepted Christ as her Savior. She was one of those that was in that slide I showed you of people being baptized. And she started to grow in her faith. No one else in her family had ever been to church, had ever heard of Christianity, and some of her family started to, to give her grief about it. But she didn't give up. She persevered. She was on death's door. She was going through round after round of chemotherapy, but she didn't allow that to distract her, and instead she continued to study God's Word and grow. And in 2019, she passed away. And I had the privilege of doing her funeral and being accepted into her family in ways that I could never have ever imagined I would be. 
because of the example that she had set, because she was good soil and she grew and grew to the place where she bore fruit in her family. That's what God is calling all of us to do. He's calling all of us to grow in Him. It doesn't matter if you're two or a hundred and two. He calls us to continue to grow. We never arrive at the fullness, the full measure of Jesus Christ. He's always calling us to grow. And what a great place you have to grow in Christ right here at Century Baptist, right? A place to grow and make disciples. Paul, make sure that I always add that part on. A place to grow and make disciples. God has given you so many opportunities right here at Century Baptist to grow in Him, to not succumb to the ways of the world, to not be distracted by the things of life, but instead to mature in His Word and grow in Him until you too bear fruit. It's interesting, this parable can be looked at in two different ways. If you go to the next slide, some people call it the parable of the soils. That's what we just talked about. Other people talk about it as the parable of the sower, and that's what Jesus called it. Let me no, listen and hear the meaning of the parable of the sower. The focus for Jesus was on the ones spreading the word of God. That Yes, that word that you put out there will fall on different kinds of soil, that we might start out as different kinds of soil, but when we grow and we bear fruit and we share the Word of God with others, it'll fall in places that it will grow and there will be a harvest. Don't be discouraged in that. Growth, good soil growth, leads to bearing fruit. If you go to the next slide, in Matthew, Jesus called for more harvest workers. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If you go to the next slide, he told his disciples, keep going, sorry. Uh, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And in the next slide, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God is calling all of us. He commanded his disciples. He commands us to go out as his sent ones. Growing should lead to going. Hokey pastor talk, I know. Alliteration and everything. But growing should lead to going. To being sent ones for him. There's a lady in our church in Japan uh, her last name is Kusai, Mrs. Kusai. We just call her Q. It's easier. Uh, she is one of those people. She's good soil. Her life was a shambles, but when she came to church, she heard the good news. She started to grow, and now she is just a force for good. As she is going throughout her day, she is sharing God's word with others. The relationships in her life that were broken, she now uses to sow the seed of the gospel. And that is what God is asking all of us to do. Right here in Bismarck, North Dakota, or Mandan if you live there, or somewhere else in the surrounding areas, God is com he's commanding all of us to sow, to be sowers for him. He's asking us to be the ones to bear his fruit and to sow his seed, to Build relationships with others 
pouring into them that gospel message and helping them to grow to a place where they can bear seed as well. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's, let's grow in Christ right here in the place to grow and make disciples. And let's go and help those around us. Maybe it's here in Bismarck. Maybe it's all the way around the world in Japan. But let's go where God has called us and sow the seed so that others might come to know him as well. Let's grow and go with him. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word that uh, this parable that Jesus told 2,000 years ago, uh, we have right in front of us, that we can learn from it, Father God, that we are called to grow in you, that we are called to to shape our lives into the way that you have, have called us into relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that we have this place, Century Baptist Church, to do that. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to, to bridge that gap from being people who grow to also being people who go for you. As your sent ones, relating to people around us, whether it's right here or around the world, Father God that we would share your word and your gospel message, your wonderful, wonderful and marvelous news of salvation through Jesus Christ and your love for us with others. So Father God, I ask that you'd be with everyone here today. Help us to see where it is you're calling us to. And I ask that you would just continue to bless Century Baptist Church, Father God, that it would continue to be a place to grow and make disciples for you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.